Hey everyone, this is Trex in Sci-Fi, show number 4040 for April the 9th, 2006. Going to be a great show this week. We're talking about one of my all-time favorite movies, The Empire Strikes Back. So stay tuned. Here we go. Going into an asteroid field. Ben, I, I can be a Jedi. Ben, tell him I'm ready. How you doing, you old pirate? So good to see you. If you only knew the power of the dark side. Hey there, everyone again. This is Rico, and this is the podcast Treks in Sci-Fi. Want to welcome uh, everyone back to the show, or new listeners, welcome to the show also. This podcast is all about sci-fi, Star Trek, and this week, Star Wars is what the main topic's going to be. I've really wanted to to talk more about Star Wars, and it, it's just difficult to, to fit it in. Each week, it's it's been mainly other sci-fi, Star Trek episodes, things like that. And uh, but this uh, this week for show number forty, I decided it, it was time. I did a uh, podcast uh, a couple months back, maybe I think show around twenty-five or so, where I talked about the first Star Wars movie, Episode Four, A New Hope. And I, I've really been wanting to do another one of those uh, about uh, my favorite of the Star Wars movies, The Empire Strikes Back. But before we get really into that in in depth, uh, talk about a few other little things. First, I'd like to say I'm sorry uh, to those that were expecting a middle-of-the-week show. I think um, last weekend I had said that I was probably going to do one of those. Usually Wednesday is when I've been putting those up, Wednesday evening. But the past week uh, was was very hectic without talking about it too much. It just uh, it just didn't really work out well for me this past week to get a show out and I didn't want to do sort of a half-baked one and uh, wanted to do another nice uh, show for you guys. So that, I just decided to take a little break uh, from the middle-of-the-week show. But, you know, the funny thing is, since I started that middle-of-the-week Wednesday-type show, so almost like two podcasts a week, I guess, I I kind of feel like it's been forever since I've done one of these now, even though it's only been a week since I I did the last one, show 39, last week about the uh, Heart of Glory uh, Klingon uh, episode from TNG. So now, uh, you know, I've gotten really used to doing two a week and, and doing this one now on Sunday. It's almost, uh, it's kind of a, a more of a treat in a way because I haven't talked to everyone in a while and it's uh, it's kind of a neat thing. And uh, anyway, that, that's just uh, my little discussion about that. But I will uh, most likely be doing a Wednesdays. Uh, they'll, they'll be kind of hit or miss. I mean, I, I really, right now I have a plan to do one for this this middle of the week. Because this week I really want to spend most of the time talking about Empire. And I'll probably be doing some emails and other little business on, on the middle of the week show coming up uh, on Wednesday this week. So so that's that. Uh, other little, I guess, sort of somewhat personal news for me is uh, my, my workplace is... They keep uh, talking about sending me over to Taiwan for a week or two in the, in, in the near future. So I, I keep... Uh, I'll keep everyone posted about that, but uh, I am a, a kind of pre-warning and anticipating that there will probably be some point in time here in the n- somewhat near future where there may be a week or two where I won't be able to podcast due to that. Um, I have a couple of ideas along those lines. One, I may try to pre-do a show or two and and get those up maybe either early before I would go or... Or try to do you know hook them and hook up to the internet over there and, and get them posted that way somehow. I don't know. I haven't got all the the details worked out, but I just wanted to kind of mention that uh, that's in the offing. Uh, it could be as soon as a few weeks from now for me. Uh, it's still kind of up in the air, which uh, I'm not completely looking forward to uh, the long ride over there. So we'll see how that all works out. But hey, it's an adventure, and uh, you know I. I I, I really enjoy, obviously, science fiction and other worlds and that. And, you know, sometimes when you think about it, going to another country, I've been to a few countries. I've been to England. I've been to Germany. But when you go to another country, especially if they don't speak your language and 
perhaps even look uh, different than you to some degree, then it's it's really going to be kind of going to a different world almost. So that you know, I try to look at it that way and and kind of an adventure and 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 we'll see how that goes. But uh, just wanted to th- throw that out there for everyone. I don't think there's a whole lot more uh, sci-fi news or discussion I wanted to mention before we get into the main topic. Uh, there hasn't really been a lot at the at the movie since V for Vendetta. They're starting to slowly gear up here for the summer. Uh, pretty soon we'll have a lot to talk about with the X-Men movie coming, Superman, and, and a lot of other films over the summer and, and the spring and the summer uh, to talk about. So, And TV has sort of wound down a little bit too on that front with Sci-Fi Fridays gone. So that uh, is probably all the announcements I have. Oh, I am planning one other thing I did want to say. I am trying to rework a little bit on the website, the main webpage. Over, uh, I'll have an extra day or two, hopefully, over the Easter holiday break week uh, to do some work on that. So look in the next week or so uh, for some updates to the main page, trying to make it a little bit more uh, interesting and a little more slick, I guess, is the, is the way to say it. So, uh, But without any further ado, let's get, into, uh, let's get into the main topic. The Star Wars saga continues. The Empire strikes back at Luke Skywalker. I've been hit! Princess Leia. Give the evacuation code signal. Han Solo. Said you wanted to be around when I made a mistake. This could be it, sweetheart. I take it back. Oh! Landau Calrissian. C-3PO. Wait, me? R2-D2 and Chewbacca. The new chapter of Star Wars. The Empire strikes back. Okay, well, there you have the uh, one of the many uh, television commercial spots, a 30-second commercial spot from uh, When the Empire Strikes Back was released way back uh, almost 26 years ago now, way back in 19, the, the spring of 1980. Probably many of the listeners to this show were either maybe not even born, but, you know, their, their birthdays are past 1980, or they were quite young at the time when Empire Strikes Back, The Empire Strikes Back, premiered in the theaters. Now, a little bit of uh, information from my viewpoint on, on the premiere and the, the beginnings of this. First, let's go back to, you know, 1977 when Star Wars premiered. You know, huge, huge movie. We talked about that on a previous podcast. And the impact that had on, on kind of science fiction films, the world was completely... Uh, new and exciting and had never been seen before a movie had never done that kind of business made huge amounts of money uh made george lucas pretty much set for life which which you know it i have there's that's great i mean it it enabled him to make all the other additional films uh, a huge amount of merchandise uh campaign or not excuse me uh merchandising eventually through this you know the, all the star wars films came out things that i enjoy collecting so you know that this whole thing started in 1977 and there was a uh, you know a very long three-year uh, you know length of time or, or situation i don't know how to say it um there was a, a long stretch there you know three years between films and the way you know star wars ended it kind of in a way wrapped it up i mean the death star was destroyed luke could save the day and you could have almost left it at that, and it was one of the reasons that George Lucas decided to to make Episode Four, that that Star Wars film, first, because it, it is kind of a self-contained story. However, as we know now, there's a lot more to tell about the movie, and then we got The Empire Strikes Back. Now, I'm trying to recall, up until probably nine months to a year before Empire Strikes Back, there were some a little bit of photos coming up. You know, there was no internet then. So you would see a few photos and a couple of magazines like Starlog magazine, and then you started in uh, early 1980, late 1979, early 1980. Some previews started to show up in the movie theaters, just a couple of them, and it looked it just looked amazing. I mean, there was so many new things that he threw into that movie that hadn't been seen in Star Wars: new characters, new worlds, uh, new new and better uh, special effects, and uh, a lot more story. Really, truthfully, the, the storyline to me is is what makes The Empire Strikes Back my favorite of the films. There's there's a lot of depth, a lot of uh, things that are revealed. Uh, now everything is uh, obviously out in the open, and we know all these things. But at that time, that that wasn't the case. You know, this this was all brand new. You know, Vader being Luke's father. You know, the the relationship between uh, Han and Princess Leia, and Lando pops in, and it, just lots of different things going on. So. 
that to me what is what really makes the movie special with with all that new material and new things that that come into play along with a really really good storyline and script uh, there was uh, just a lot a lot more put into this movie and and that was mainly because of this excuse me the success of Star Wars there's there was there was um, George Lucas was smart and he kept control of the situation and in the the movies and the franchise and had a lot of help on Empire. He had a, a great director, Irvin Kirshner. He had help with the story and script. There was um, the name guy. Then uh, excuse me, Lawrence Kasdan. Yeah, that's the name I'm looking for. And Lee Brackett. Both of those people helped him work on that the the story and the script. So those, you know, he they really did a great job with this movie and. And I'm trying just to just not gush too much, but to try to give you specifics uh, throughout this uh, this podcast. But um, so anyway, you had so then when the movie premiered, let's get, let's get to that point, I guess. Um, there was a huge amount of anticipation. I mean, I can still remember now, 26 years later, I can still remember being there. Actually, I was um, I was quite sick. I had I had a really nasty cold. I recall this real well because the only um, the only tickets that I could get on opening night were very late. I, I believe it was like a 10.50, almost an 11 p.m. show on opening night when the movie came out. And I recall very well that I was, you know, really, really sick, and but I was bound and determined to get to see this movie on opening day. So, you know, I, I popped some, some medicine down, tried to rest up a little bit so I'd have some energy. But, you know, started, starting to see this movie at 11 o'clock almost at night, uh... <laughs> When you're not feeling well, it was difficult, and I was just so blown away by it the first time I saw it. And, and on top of that, being sick and and you know having uh, cold medicine in my system, I, it was a it was a very almost surreal kind of bizarre night for me. But of course, I saw the movie many more times over the course of the next few weeks. That summer, uh, it it was around for quite a long time, not quite as long in the theaters as Star Wars was, but but still for a long time. And I had a chance to really study it, of course, over the years, and and, and the times I saw it in the theater took uh, everyone I knew. Many times, you know, we used to have a large group of us that would go to the movies. I don't, I don't think I hardly ever in that time frame um, ever went to see those movies by myself. It usually was with uh, my brother or my girlfriend at the time, or some other friends. Lots of different. Th- people i would just say hey we got to go see you got to go see this movie you know my family my my parents and uh i dragged just about anyone i could find uh to to go see it which uh you know everyone enjoyed it they loved it and uh i've never you know the empire strikes back is is usually a lot of times one of the favorites of the star wars films for a lot of people especially i find i think the people that are the real kind of i use that word hardcore or real strong let's just say star wars fans uh, this this tends to be the movie that they really really like a lot and and uh, and if you know if I could only have one Star Wars film this by far would be the one that I would own. Um, let's get into some clips now with with the sort of background and, and that kind of information. Um, the first clip I'm going to play here. Let me look at my list. Um, do, 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 do. This one is yes. This is. There's there's a little intro. Uh, that's all I had written on the clip, uh, which doesn't tell me a lot. Um, this is just an intro. Oh no! Excuse me. Blah blah blah. I'm sorry. I'm a little confused here this morning. The first clip is with um, when Luke sees Ben in the snow, and Ben tells him about Yoda and go to Dagobah and all that. This is this is a pretty important clip and scene. So I thought I would play this one for you. So here you go. Ooh. There you have uh, Luke uh, Luke Skywalker in the snow, almost dead, and seeing visions of, of Ben Obi Wan Kenobi, and you you got to think that he's like, well, did I really see him or what? What was going on? Uh, but of course, he 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 trusts Ben, trusts Obi Wan, 
to to tell him, you know, and and he believes in it. So he of of course ends up uh, going to Dagobah and meeting up with Yoda, and that'll be coming up here uh, shortly. You know the 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 neat thing that well, I'll give you a little bit of info here. Some of these things a lot of people may have heard, but um, the nice thing I really one of the other things I really like about Empire is and and Star Wars in general is when they could use location shooting. Unlike uh, when they made the prequels, where they used a lot of green screen and, you know, inside sets, there wasn't a lot of location shooting. Uh, the Star Wars films, the, the the original trilogy, as they're known, d- did a lot of location stuff. Empire Strikes Back, a lot of that uh, part on Hoth at the beginning in the snow, and that was filmed in, uh, in Norway, I believe, is, is where it was. And from what I've read and, and heard over the years about it, they had like one of the nastiest winters and snow times in in history in the country at the time when they filmed this. And it, the part I remember about this Luke scene here with uh, seeing Ben is is what I heard is the cameras and stuff were really having trouble with the weather. And the way I guess that I had heard they filmed this is basically they had you know Mark Hamill dressed up as Luke out there in the snow, almost right outside a doorway, and they had the cameras and things sort of protected inside almost and shot them from, you know, from a protected viewpoint almost. The cameras were in a, a building or something, and then Luke was stuck out there, or Mark Hamill was stuck out in this, you know, sub-zero snowy uh, snowy mountain in Norway, which, uh, you know, and they, they really had a rough time at first. It was one of the nastiest uh, times and conditions they've ever had in the area when they filmed a lot of this, but I think it adds so much to the... To, to the look of Hoth and the fact that this is a real harsh environment and the reason the rebels, you know, hid themselves there was that, you know, they were hoping that the Empire wouldn't be able to find them. But, of course, that they do with one of these little probe droids and all that. And and the rest is kind of history, as they say. So, so anyway, the next clip that I was going to play for you guys, this one's a, um, it's also fairly short. This is just with Han trying to get Princess Leia evacuated and off, of off of the planet as the Empire is invading so listen to this you all right why are you still here you got your clearance to leave don't worry i'll leave first we're gonna get you to your ship your highness we must take this last transport it's our only hope send all troops with sector 12 to the south boat to protect the fighter ah! imperial troops have entered the base imperial troops have entered come on that's it Give the evacuation code signal. And get to your transports! Oh, wait, me! Okay, one of the uh, one of the great things for me about this film is is the romance between Han and, and Princess Leia. They really added a lot of depth, I think, to the character, Harrison Ford's character of Han Solo, to this. You know, as you saw him in the first Star Wars film in, in A New Hope, you know, he's this brash, rogue kind of smuggler guy that doesn't really care about anyone or anything. He, at least he says that. And and you slowly see that that's not really the case. You know, he's kind of falling for Princess Leia. She's kind of falling for him. And it really changes him quite a bit throughout this movie and into uh, Return of the Jedi. And you can see there, you know, he he's he's been trying to get the Falcon back together with Chewie's help and... You know, they could have blasted out of there and, and said goodbye to the whole uh, resistance and the rebellion and just left. But he doesn't. He's can, He cares about her, and he's he's risking, you know, his and Chewie's life and everything to make sure she can get out of there safely. So, you know, that's a, that's a pretty big change. Uh, it's a big distance and a big uh, shift in his character from when you first see him in the cantina in, in Episode 4 in A New Hope. And, I, you know, there's... There's lots of that kind of stuff in this movie, not just with his character, that adds a lot of depth to the various, all the uh, main characters in the uh, in the movie. So, so that's a good good scene, and it shows that real well. The next clip that I have, of course, this um, there's a lot of really really cool neat scenes in this, but one of of course the best and, and most interesting scenes in the movie is the asteroid, uh, uh, you know, kind of ship duel or escape uh, from all the Star Destroyers they're chasing after the Falcon, and I'll play just a little bit of that for you uh, right now. Uh, what are you doing? You're not actually going into an asteroid field. They'd be crazy to follow us, wouldn't they? 
impress me. Sir, the possibility of successfully navigating an asteroid field is approximately 3,720 to 1. Never tell me the odds. I wanted to mention there's probably about, I made a little list of about half a dozen different little really, um, to me, great things about this movie. And one of them uh, that that clip kind of brings out for me is the music. The the music by John Williams in the Star Wars, all of the Star Wars films, is just just wonderful and amazing. Every time you could, if you just listen to the music of the movies, you can really get a feel for, for what's going on, uh, the different themes that he uses. And Empire Strikes Back, especially for me, with um with the various themes that he uses and and the dramatic cues and and just everything i'm not a music expert but i do know what i like i guess and everyone else does and i just think the music in the movies is, is so so amazing and so wonderful and it just fits the film so well that it would be such a different movie with different music or less music uh i think i think that was a, a hugely genius and and great move for George Lucas to enlist uh, John Williams to create this score that was a very kind of classical oriented, you know, you have this sort of space fantasy opera, people have called it almost. Um, Not real at all, not a real serious science fiction movie, but just a big romantic epic adventure kind of film. And, you know, this music kind of goes back to the days of, of early films when, you know, silent movies where there was just music. To, to show you and, and, and get your heart pumping kind of for the various scenes. And George Lucas recognized that this movie required this type of music. It didn't require um, rock music or electronic music or anything like that. It, it, it needed, it was a larger-than-life kind of story, and it needed that kind of epic uh, music to go with it. So uh, I won't talk too much more about the... I could probably go on for a whole podcast just about the music and how much I like it and the various themes, So, uh, which is maybe an idea to do in the future for maybe not just Star Wars but other movies that I like and the music behind them. That's a, that's an idea. So, But anyway, I just wanted to mention that. Uh, to me, the soundtracks are just great, and I love... Uh, they're, they're nice to listen to just in the background of doing other things. They're, they really bring back some good memories to, of seeing the movies and, and the different parts in the film, so... The next, uh, the next little point and clip that I was going to play uh, is kind of got a little bit of an interesting history. This, uh, and I just looked over at my, uh, sorry, looked over and I noticed my volume's kind of lower. So the, the clip I'm going to play now is that there's an exchange between Vader and the Emperor. Just a short little scene that uh, Vader talks to the Emperor on the uh, hologram on his uh, Super Star Destroyer. The thing about this scene, though, and if you've seen the DVDs, you'll know what I'm talking about, that the DVDs of the original trilogy that they put out a little more than, well, I get it, about a year and a half ago. This scene they changed completely. Um, George Lucas went back and refilmed with um, Ian McDermott, for, uh, who did all the Emperor stuff in, in the prequels. They they refilmed this and took out the original actor, Clive, I, I'm trying to remember his last name, Reveal, Ravel, or I'm, I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that, but... But anyway, the point of this scene, and it's a little more than a minute long, but I wanted to play it, is some of the dialogue you'll notice is subtly changed in this scene where Vader's talking to the Emperor to reflect on things that we've learned uh, throughout the prequels and, and that. It's still, the thrust of it and everything is still there, but, but just listen to the differences if you've not seen the, the DVDs yet or haven't seen them in a while. Listen to this scene. It's a, it's a little bit longer than it originally was, and listen to... Uh, especially Vader's reaction to what the Emperor tells him. What is thy bidding, my master? There is a great disturbance in the Force. I have felt it. We have a new enemy. The young rebel who destroyed the Death Star. I have no doubt this boy is the offspring of Anakin Skywalker. How is that possible? Search your feelings, Lord Vader. You will know it to be true. He could destroy us. He's just a boy. Obi-Wan can no longer help him. The Force is strong with him. The son of Skywalker must not become a Jedi. 
If he could be turned, he would become a powerful ally. Yes, he would be a great asset. Can it be done? He will join us or die, Master. Yeah, that's a uh, interesting uh, changes there in that scene. I'm kind of. Um, let's talk for a minute or so about the the DVDs and the changes and things that were done. I'm a little bit have mixed feelings about it. it you know, on one hand, some of the changes I feel made made the overall you know six film Star Wars saga make a little more sense and and fit everything together. And some of it I feel was a little bit uh, too much. You know, like the Han shooting first with Greedo thing which I think I talked about maybe in the last podcast, that that was um, something that really didn't need to be messed with, in my opinion at least. But this scene, I think, with the new dialogue and, and the new actor's face and everything in, in there, I think this one works pretty well. I, I'm, I'm not, I don't have a problem too much with this. What I wish George Lucas would eventually do, and there's a huge number of people out there that are um, even feel more strongly about this maybe than I do, but... I wish he would eventually release it, you know, sort of the ultimate Star Wars DVD collection with, you know, the original versions, the special editions, the, you know, enhanced special editions or whatever other things and and allow people to watch them in all their different forms uh, as a part of history and historical archive almost of the films. It's uh, with DVDs and the technology and everything, it's all available in there. And I I just kind of see no reason. I mean, he, he has stated numerous times that, the, the final new editions that he's put out are, are the definitive one, and he doesn't want other confusing different editions floating around. But, I, you know, I think people are smart enough to understand the difference, and I don't I don't think it's a problem for people. So anyway, that's just my couple of cents on, on that situation and subject matter. Uh, the next uh, clip is, well, this is with um, the, the, the really neat thing, uh, again, or another neat thing about uh, Empire that I was on my list is the character of Yoda, of course. This, when you were, if you were around and see saw the original trilogy before the prequels and didn't know any better, this is your first introduction to Yoda. And I love the way they do it in the movie. You know, you, you see this little, short little green guy on this swamp planet, and you don't know really what to make of him. And he tries at first, he's kind of this mischievous guy, you know, character, and hunting through Luke's little uh, stuff and eating some of his food and grabbing the lamp and all that fun things. And you don't uh, you don't know he's Yoda. It, but, of course, we do now. But even when you see it and you know he's Yoda, it's still as much a fun scene because you can see he's trying to kind of test and put something over on Luke and to see how he deals with uh, you know, he, he obviously, if he immediately said, hello, I am Yoda, you know, mm, Skywalker, I am Yoda. You know, if he said something like that, you know, it would it would lose a lot of impact, I think. So anyway, let's play the uh, one of one of the clips here. It's in Yoda's little house with uh, between uh, Luke and Yoda. The boy has no patience. He will learn patience. Mm. <clears throat> Much anger in him. Like his father. Was I any different when you taught me? There's not ready. Yoda. I am ready. I, Ben, I, I can be a Jedi. Ben, tell him I'm ready. Ready, are you? What knows you ready? For 800 years have I trained Jedi. My own counter will I keep on who is to be trained. The Jedi must have the deepest commitment. Most serious mind. This one, a long time have I watched. All his life as he looked away to the future, to the horizon, never his mind on where he was, hmm? what he was doing. Hmm. Adventure, <laughs> excitement. <laughs> a Jedi craves not these things. You are reckless. So was I, if you remember. He is too old. Yes, too old to begin the training. But I've learned so much. (sighs) 
he finish where he begins. I won't fail you. I'm not afraid. Yeah. You will be. You will be. Yeah, really, uh, really great stuff there. Frank Oz doing the puppetry uh, and the voice uh, of Yoda. It's, uh, I, I really, really, you know, I understand when they, they did the prequels, you know, they needed a, a Yoda that could bounce around and, and wield the lightsaber and a puppet would have been impossible basically to do that kind of work. But, you know, maybe they could have used the puppet for a lot of the other scenes and, and used uh, the CGI Yoda for the, the lightsaber parts and meshed them together. I don't know, maybe it would have been too hard to have those look the same to some degree. But, I, you know, I just really, really like the kind of physical, organic look of, of Yoda in Empire Strikes Back. And I'm so happy that I've, everything that I've heard, you know, George Lucas has tweaked with these movies. We just talked about that a little bit. But everything that I've heard is that he has no intentions ever of going back to, you know, Empire Strikes Back and replacing uh, the the puppet uh, Yoda with a CGI version, which just is is great for me because I I would I just would hate to see that ever happen. I think there's so much that is added in the way his expressions and you just can't do that in in computers. You can make it look good and you can make it look like Yoda, but it, it's just not the same thing. It's 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 difficult to really describe. I don't know what it is. It's like the uh, some of the special effects even of the of the spaceships and and the X wings and the Falcon and all. The models and the way they did it in the original trilogy versus the the CGI versions. I mean, they had some amazing battles in like Revenge of the Sith at the beginning, especially. But having all those models and ships blowing up and, and the physical nature of it just it just looks a little different, and I I like it better. I mean, maybe it's because I that's what I grew up on and got used to seeing, perhaps. You know, maybe in about ten twenty years, when when kids that are growing up these days have never seen a film that that had models for ships and had puppets for uh, creatures like this and everything's been done in a computer, maybe they'll never notice the difference, you know, and they'll think that stuff that we're looking at and really enjoying from the past is kind of, oh, my gosh, how can you look at that stuff? It doesn't even look real. To them, CGI will look real, I guess. So, yeah, getting off on a tangent, but that's uh, that's what I wanted to say about that. So there's Yoda, fooled Luke a little bit, and, of course, you've got the whole, another great part of, this movie is is you know Yoda training Luke to be a Jedi and of course he doesn't get to complete that training and and Luke is not really prepared when he eventually has to face Vader in this film and that's that's an important part an important point um, that Luke is not patient and he cares and worries more about his friends than than his the ultimate goal which which is it's a good. It's both a good and a bad thing in a way. I mean, he he really loses a lot when he faces off with Vader, and we'll talk about that more in a couple minutes here. But he won't sacrifice his friends. He he just doesn't. And ultimately, I think that's an important thing. And I think ultimately that's what helps him uh, stop Vader, stop his father, and and turn Vader back to the good side, like he does in Return of the Jedi. So so with that though, let's get off onto another subject uh, in this movie, and that is Lando Calrissian. Played by, of course, the smoothest guy in the galaxy, Billy D. Williams. Um, you know, again, another a great introduction and great character in this movie. Another thing that they introduced for the first time, and they do a great job with it. He's an old friend of, of Han Solo's, and that's where Han decides to go to get the Falcon repaired when they're having trouble. And the the clip I'm going to play for you is just when they first when when they meet up with Lando on the landing platform. So listen to this. <laughs> How you doing, you old pirate? So good to see you. I never thought I'd come to see you again. Well, he seems very friendly. Yes, very friendly. What are you doing here? Ah, repairs. I thought you could help me out. What have you done to my ship? Your ship? Hey, remember you lost her to me fair and square. And how you doing, Chewbacca? <laughs> you still hanging around with this loser? <laughs> Hello, what have we here? Welcome, I'm Lando Calrissian. I'm the administrator of this facility. And who might you be? Leia. Welcome, Leia. All right, all right. 
your smoothie. Hello, sir. I am C-3PO Human Cyborg Relations. My facilities are at you. Uh, well, really? What's wrong with the Falcon? Hyperdrive. I'll get my people to work on it. Good. You know, that ship saved my life quite a few times. She's the fastest hunk of junk in the galaxy. That's good, uh... Good bit of dialogue there. You know, great dialogue in this movie, I think. that Really, really good. Really well done. And the acting is, is just just probably the best to me of any of the movies of Star Wars. Um, the the neat thing there, you know, Han doesn't really completely trust this guy. You know, he tells the princess at one point, you know, they're Lando's his friend, but he doesn't necessarily trust him. So that's an interesting little thing. And you find out a little history there. You find out about... You know where where the the Millennium Falcon came from that that Han won it from Lando in a, in a card game in the past and it just shows the kind of guys these these two characters are a little bit and you get get again more in insight into uh, the character of Han Solo so that's that's good and it's just you know, and then of course you've got another very cool on my list also thing there Cloud Cloud City on Bespin uh, the mining. Uh, city there in the clouds floating in the clouds i mean just really cool the 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 clouds and the weird orange sky look and they you know the kind of little vehicles they have flying around and the look of it you know ralph mccrory who worked on uh all these original trilogy films you know his pre-production artwork and things that he did for cloud city and for a lot of other things in the movie just just shine just just are amazing and and it really does so much for the movie it's it's uh it's hard to even describe and it, when i look at those drawings i mean you can get those art drawings um they they put portfolios out of that artwork they they used it really very very closely i mean they they took his artwork and his drawings that ralph mccory created and when they did the you know when they did the cloud city uh, you know whatever you call it model i guess and uh, effects um it looks just like his drawing basically and they really really um really trusted him and used it well and which is which is good rather than changing things dramatically and and i think uh it really adds to the overall look of the movie just just really really good the next clip that i'm going to play is uh another huge scene in this movie this is um you know after han and 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 the princess discover vader's on cloud city and that lando's kind of gone along with vader and and is going to turn them over to him and and Vader has this idea in the Emperor to to encase and and put Luke into carbonite this this shipping material stuff or whatever it is and he has the idea that he'll take uh, Han and and put him in carbonite to test it out make sure it doesn't kill somebody because they've never really done this it's not really used to freeze people or whatever because they really want to do it for Luke because they're afraid if he's being transported to the Emperor of course he's he's you know strong in the forest and he could escape or do whatever so they want a way a way to contain him but anyway uh let's get to the scene this is another um pretty big important scene the the thing i really like about this two things i like about this scene and i'll just talk about it before i play it one is uh is the way han and and chewy talk to each other in this scene you really show or see the loyalty that uh that chewy has for for han solo and he you know he's throwing the stormtroopers away and and he doesn't want his 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 companion, his friend Han, to them to do anything to him, and he's just ready to rip the place apart. And 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 you know Han calms him down, almost like you you know almost like a loyal dog. You know he's been Chewie's been described that way, but of course a, a lot more intelligent. He can fix the Falcon, fly the Falcon, and all that. But uh, I really really like that. It, you know it shows the loyalty between the two of them. And then the um, the dialogue that they they have in exchange there. The the other bit is of course the classic scene of. Uh, where the princess tells Han that she loves him, and you know Harrison Ford, Han Solo just kind of, you know, almost smirks and quips back to her of, uh, "I know." And the story, of course, on this scene goes that that was a a line that that Harrison Ford kind of came up with at the point. They, you know, it was originally written, I believe, just he was supposed to say, "I love you too," but they it just didn't come off right, I guess, when they got to the set and doing it and. The, the 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 real deep meaning of this people always look at it and he, you know han says i know that it's like he's being kind of glib and 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 that but what it's supposed to mean what i've read and heard them say before is that you know i know and 
it's also to let her know that this isn't the end, that this isn't over, that that I'm not telling you just right now that I love you too, expecting to never come back and die. He's saying, I know, but I'll be back. That That's what he's trying to kind of get across to her there. Uh, I don't I don't know if everyone is aware of that or have heard that before, but that's the, the my take on it, and I think it means so much more that way. So let me play that clip for you uh, now. Listen to me, Chewie. Chewie, this won't help me. Hey, save your strength. There'll be another time. The princess, you have to take care of her. You hear me? Huh? So the uh, so that was with the Han and into carbonite, uh, and the the really cool thing about uh, that uh, that little scene there is it led to of course there is a uh, very uh, expensive high end collectible I think it was originally made by Elusive Concepts I think is the name of the company which is a replica of that Han and carbonite piece and it's one of the uh, kind of wish list items for me. Over um, over many years trying to locate one of those, they show up on eBay occasionally. Pretty expensive, but so really, really good scene there. The next clip is, of course, you have the classic uh, at the end of this one, the classic confrontation between Luke Skywalker and Darth Vader, the lightsaber fight. And the the interesting thing about this is, even though Luke is not really highly trained and skilled yet, the little bit of training and and stuff that uh, info that that Yoda had passed on to him really he kind of is holding his own really with Vader for for a bit of the fight until you know then it starts to slip away and Vader uh Vader of course the the Luke hand thing happens which a lot of hands and limbs being chopped off by lightsabers of over the course of all the Star Wars movies but but the big scene of course is the revelation in the movie where Vader tells uh, Luke that he's his father, and we'll play uh, a, a bit of that for you right now. Order to the galaxy. I'll never join you! If you only knew the power of the dark side, Obi-Wan never told you what happened to your father. He told me enough! He told me you killed him. No. I am your father. Search your feelings. You know it to be true. No! No! Luke, you can destroy the Emperor. He has foreseen this. It is your destiny. Join me, and together we can rule the galaxy as father and son. Yeah, so uh, here's here's a couple of things. One, on this scene, uh, when I first saw this movie, and I talked about this early, you know, I saw it in the, the spring-summer when it first came out of 1980, I, I was just shocked by that that little clip and, and or that scene there where Vader says he's Luke's father. I, I completely didn't believe him. I thought, that no, there's no way that that's true, and... And I, I, for the next three years until Return of the Jedi came around, I was one of, you know, people slowly started to think, I mean, maybe he was telling him the truth, but I just I just couldn't get over that. I just really, really was convinced that no way, he's just trying to trick him or something. That that can't be true. That's impossible. So uh, so it had me fooled, and it was a, it was a big shocker. A couple other things. The uh, You see Luke jumps off the platform, you know, right after that, that audio I played, you know, he's basically saying, no, I'm not going to join you, Vader. I, I'll ra- I'd rather die because he doesn't really think he's going to survive that fall. I mean, he thinks, see, this is it, you know, or whatever. He, yeah, maybe something will happen, but he's willing to sacrifice himself to die before he'll join Vader. 
So that's important thing, and I think a lot of people over kind of, you know, you don't really look at that. I mean, he's like basically jumping off of a building, you know, stories and stories high before he'll join Vader. Um, so that's that's how much he's he won't won't go along with him, and of course he, that leads into their conflict in Jedi, and he won't join Vader or the Emperor. He'll die first, and it's important, and it's what ultimately saves Vader and brings Anakin back to the to the good side. So. One little other thing I wanted to mention here, and it just came to my mind. There's a, um, a a very early Star Wars article in the Rolling Stone magazine, way back in the in when the first film came out, and when A New Hope, Episode Four, just the original Star Wars movie came out. What I wanted to say about that is the original storyline: Vader and Anakin Skywalker, Luke's father, were not one and the same person. There were three main Jedi that that were, you know had adventures together that was obi-wan the the character of darth vader and anakin skywalker they were three different people originally and this article in rolling stone if you can get a copy of it it's it's online in places you can find the text of it um basically the the way the the confrontation on the lava type planet like you saw revenge of the sith was supposed to go at that time was there were three jedi fighting one of them the darth vader character one of them anakin skywalker luke's father and one of them, Obi-Wan. And during the course of the fight, Anakin gets killed by Vader, and Obi-Wan stops stops Vader. He does, you know, chops his arms off and blah, blah, blah. And he eventually becomes, you know, the mechanical, um, in black, uh, breathing Darth Vader that we know here. So, you know, that talk that Obi-Wan has with Luke originally in his little, in Obi-Wan's house, makes a little more sense that way. But Somewhere uh, throughout the the Star Wars history and saga and script and story, George Lucas decided it would be much more interesting to have this this um, Vader and Anakin be one and the same character, and that that he would have to be sort of redeemed and and that. But originally, that was not the the way it was supposed to go, which is kind of interesting, I think. And of course, this is you know it's all what as they say it's history now, and we we know the story and we expect it to be the way it is, and it. It kind of, of course, is a lot more dramatic, I think, this way. So just thought I would throw that out there. Um, the last clip that I'm going to play here just uh, from the movie mainly is there's a the scene with um, Lando saying goodbye to uh, Luke and, and Princess Leia when he's off to Tatooine to look for Boba Fett. And, oh, that was the other thing, too. Boba Fett's character in this movie, you don't see him a whole lot, but he his presence is felt, and, you know, he's he's got Han Solo... He has a few lines in the movie, and he, he is, he's a really got a high cool factor. You know, everyone really kind of likes Boba Fett, so that's that's another thing that's in the movie that's neat. But the last clip here is when when uh, Lando is going to take the Falcon and go look for Han. The the interesting thing, if you'd watch the, this movie again soon, that I want you to notice the how the end of Empire Strikes Back, Episode Five, the, just the way the scene is even laid out is very much like the middle movie uh, after um, the whatever, the clones attack or whatever. Why am I blanking out on that? <laughs> Excuse me, Attack of the Clones, Episode 2. You know, you have the scene in Episode 2, Attack of the Clones, at the end on the lake where uh, Padme and Anakin are getting married, and the droids are there, and they look out over the water. That scene, just the way the people are and the characters are positioned, is very much like the scene at the end of Empire Strikes Back with the two droids, uh, Luke and Leia there sitting looking out the viewport. To compare those two things the next time you see those movies or just get your DVDs out and look at those two scenes. And those are the, both the middle movies of the two trilogies. And there's a lot of parallels George Lucas did in these movies in both the original trilogy and the prequel trilogy and the way he ended the movies, um, scenes that are very much the same. And that that's a real big one that sticks out for me, at least, is that scene there uh, between uh, Attack of the Clones, the end of Attack of the Clones, and End of Empire. But I'm going to play the clip for you uh, now of Lando saying goodbye. Luke, we're ready for takeoff. Good luck, Lando. When we find Jabba the Hutt and that bounty hunter, we'll contact you. I'll meet you at the rendezvous point on Tatooine. Princess, we'll find Han. I promise. Chewie, I'll be waiting for your signal. Take care, you two. May the Force be with you.
Well, there, there you have it. Basically, that's my uh, my take on in uh, a very short amount of time on the Empire Strikes Back. Uh, wonderful movie. I, I think a movie everyone can enjoy, especially obviously the sci-fi and Star Wars fans out there. Just, just really great. Um, the The nice thing too is that is the DVD version has uh, it has such a nice look to it. You know, the colors are so rich. Uh, the sound quality. It's uh, it's so much more heads and tails above, you know, when it was just on videotape, on VHS and that. So, you know, pull it out of your library. Go buy it if you don't have it. Uh, gosh, you know, I, I can't even imagine having not having the, the DVDs now, the Star Wars movies, to pop in when you like. Uh, it's just, just really a great film. I, I could probably talk uh, two or three more or more, even more than that podcasts about the movie. But it's... Uh, it's all I've got for uh, this one show to, to talk about. I'm going to come back and talk about a replica too in a minute. Or so one thing I wanted to play here at the end, um, Kenny, uh, my longtime friend now on the podcast and forum member from California, he sent in a, uh, a couple of minutes of audio on his, uh, his comments on The Empire Strikes Back. So I'm going to play Kenny's audio for you now about uh, his take on the movie. And then I'll take a quick little break and come back talking about a, a Star Wars collectible. So I'll be right back after uh, Kenny's comments. Here you go. Hey Rico, it's Kenny from California. Just wanted to give you a few thoughts on Star Wars The Empire Strikes Back. This was my favorite of all six. I can remember exactly where I was. I was 10 years old. I remember the theater that I went to, the people I went with. Uh, the first time I saw it in The Empire Strikes Back. But sadly, I only saw The Empire Strikes Back two times in the theater, unlike Star Wars, which I saw 16, 17 times. And I'm not sure why that is. Um, if you ask people, they normally say Empire Strikes Back is their favorite of the first trilogy. But it made the least amount at the box office, which is kind of strange. There are several reasons why I think this is my favorite. Um... First of all, George Lucas only gave the story concept. He actually didn't write any of this, um, which is, you know, kind of sad to say, but he's not the best writer. Uh, I think his story concepts are unbelievable, and his directing is pretty good. But uh, this was the only script that he actually didn't write. So uh, that's one reason. But, uh, I mean, this had, you know, the Hoth battle at the beginning. It introduces... Several characters that uh, become fan favorites like Yoda and Boba Fett. Um, I mean, you got Cloud City, uh, you know, and then this had the ending that uh, you know Han Solo is frozen in carbonite, and you're not sure what's going to happen. You know, this was the first time there was an actual cliffhanger, um, and you had to wait because you knew they were going to make another one, but they took so long in making it that you you waited. And you had no idea what was going to happen. And you also have the romance between uh, Princess Leia and Han Solo, which was so gradual and, and it's just nice. You knew they liked each other from the beginning, you know, because they always fought. Um, but to actually see them come together towards the end of the movie was just great. This is Star Wars at its best. The acting was great, the dialogue, and I think my favorite part is the character development. This really moved the story along, and I think that's why this is my favorite of the Star Wars movies. Thanks. Well, thanks. Uh, I just have to say thanks to uh, Kenny for those uh, great, uh, great comments about the Empire Strikes Back. You brought up uh, some of the points that I talked about, and, and a few that I had almost, uh, I'd kind of overlooked and forgotten. But I, I really uh, enjoyed listening to your comments, Kenny, and. I, I really agree with you. It's uh, it's a wonderful movie, Empire Strikes Back, great stuff in it, and I urge everyone uh, to check it out. Uh, yeah, and one thing I hadn't mentioned that Kenny did too, yeah, it really it didn't quite make as much money at the box office. As, well, the original Star Wars had such a good feeling when you left the movie. I think a lot of people just wanted to go back for that great feeling, but Kenny pointed out, and, and rightly so, that you know Empire doesn't really end on a very happy note. Uh, everyone's kind of in a bad spot, and... But it's a classic tale, and it's the classic uh, second act, in a way, the middle act of where everything's in a story is messed up, and everything needs to sort of get resolved in Return of the Jedi. And boy, that was a, a long three years to get to Return of the Jedi again, and, and wh how everything would re would get resolved. And I am sure in, in the near future I'll be talking about that movie as well. 
I've got uh, one other email here with uh, Anthony's comments on uh, the Empire Strikes Back. So here we go with Anthony. Hey Rico, it's Anthony, also known as Risky Godfather, on the Treks and Sci-Fi forums. Uh, I just wanted to say I think it's great that you're doing a Star Wars movie as a bit of a change-up. And it's a really great idea that you're doing different stuff and not just Star Trek episode uh, reviews every week. This was my favorite Star Wars movie out of all of the movies, and I know this is most people's favorites, as it was such a great and, I guess, twisted kind of at the end movie. So uh, I also wanted to say keep up the great work with the podcast, and uh, so I'll see you uh, later. Bye-bye. Well, uh, thanks a lot for those comments uh, about the show and uh, about Empire Strikes Back, Anthony. Really appreciate it. Quick break here, and we'll be back with our collectible talk. Hi, this is Len from Jawbone Radio, and whenever I need the latest Star Trek or sci-fi news, I listen to my friend Rick on the Treks and Sci-Fi podcast. Hey, do you think he's going to be talking about Wookiees? Because I love Wookiees. Now, let's talk about a collectible real quick here. Uh, This one is, of course, um, I thought I'd talk about a Star Wars one. I'm going to talk a little bit about Master Replica's uh, Han Solo blaster that's as seen in The Empire Strikes Back. I think I got this piece maybe about a year ago. It's, it's of course, another Master Replica's uh, fairly expensive, uh, very nice Star Wars replica. It's a one-to-one scale piece done mainly in metal. Uh, It's got a nice case it comes with. And they they did a great job on this item. It's got the silver kind of muzzle like you see in uh, both Luke and Han both have a blaster that looks like this in Empire Strikes Back. Uh, I'll definitely have some pictures up in the podcast notes and in my collectible uh, gallery section of this piece. It's it's basically metal construction, like I said. Uh, the, the difference, though, with this versus the New Hope blaster that Master Replicas did, there aren't any moving, really moving parts on these. Uh, they uh, they base these blasters off of this. Uh, it's called a, a Mauser replica. It's like an old, I think, German pistol done uh, at the turn of the century, approximately, I think, in that era. But anyway, and then they added some... Uh, scopes and some different muzzles on the end of these to make them look kind of futuristic but the base gun itself can be you know a replica of that gun can be had online uh if you look up uh i think there's a company called denix d-e-n-i-x uh that does a lot of replica guns that don't fire or anything but you can build a uh, your own blaster almost if you just get the extra little pieces which you can find also on different websites uh, the muzzle, the scopes, and that, and make your own blaster a lot cheaper than actually buying it uh, off Master Replicas. Although these uh, these blasters from Empire Strikes Back, the Han Solo blaster, can be found on eBay, and I think maybe even Master Replicas still has them for sale. I'll have to look at their site, and if they do, I'll put a link in the podcast notes. I think they're still for sale there, and they've come down actually in price So uh, versus when I bought it, of course unfortunately but you know it's it's a black finish it's got sort of a a wood uh kind of a look to the handles the grip and it's a really got a nice weight to it comes in a great case and is to me besides like some of the lightsabers in star wars the blasters these blasters are are some of the yeah sort of iconic replicas that and and props that they used in the movies so i i was always actually uh, and i'll talk about this on another podcast in the future during uh, the summer after Empire Strikes Back came out, I spent uh, a lot of time in my basement and I built my own blaster replica just completely by scratch. No base model gun. I did it out of metal. I put a strobe flash in it. I don't want to talk about it too much because I'm going to talk about it more on an upcoming podcast. It looks pretty close to the replica. It's, of course, got lots of... It's not dead on because I, again, did it by scratch. But uh, maybe I'll if I get a chance, I'll put a quick picture up on the on the podcast notes for this to, to give you an idea what I'm talking about but but anyway master replicas still of course the premier replica for props for Star Wars Star Trek right now uh, the current license holder for those and this is a this is a great piece if you're into Star Wars and have some cash uh, I definitely highly recommend this item again the pictures are, are, are probably do it more justice than my description of it take a look at the notes and the collectible section for uh, for more info on that. This show is part of the Out of This World Entertainment on the Sci-Fi Podcast Network, tsfpn.com. 
And with that, uh, boys and girls, guys and gals, ladies and gentlemen, I think that's going to wrap up this week's uh, show number 40 uh, on Treks and Sci-Fi. I want to really thank everyone for staying listening to the show throughout my uh, whole big spiel on The Empire Strikes Back and everything. Uh, I'd really appreciate the listeners. Any email you guys like to send in, treksf at gmail.com, that email uh, voicemail is 20688-TREX with an S at the end of it. And, you know, send me your comments about Star Wars and anything else you'd like to uh, comment on about sci-fi and, and fantasy information or news. Again, I'll, I'll probably have a show up Wednesday this week, Wednesday evening, and I'll come back next weekend with another show. We're going to go back next weekend and talk about TOS episode, uh, the TOS episode Arena from the first season of Star Trek. So that's a great episode. I'm looking forward to talking about that with you guys. So until then, everyone have an enjoyable, great week. Enjoy the spring weather, which is getting nicer. I've said before, it's getting a lot nicer. I really, really, uh, winter is just too long. I really look forward to the warm weather when it comes. And today it's going to be 60 about, I think, when I where I live. So that's great. 60 Fahrenheit, that is. Again, goodbye, everyone. Thanks for listening. Uh, if, you, if you feel like it, pop a vote up at Podcast Alley for the show. That would be uh, very much appreciated. Talk to you guys next week. Uh, bye-bye for now. This has been a Rick Dosty Podcast production. 